We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, We've got a special roundtable edition uh, tonight. Uh, I've got a few different... Uh, podcasters from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network with us uh, to talk some uh, some trade bonanzas. We had really our first significant trade, I guess I would say. I don't know if it was too much yesterday with between the Hornets and the Bucks. Uh, so we're going to talk some trades tonight. So uh, with us tonight we have uh, Daniel Green, Derek Perez, and James. Uh, James, I should ask you this before. So now I'm going to make you tell me how do you say your last name because I'm going to get that wrong. Nope, nope. Let me hear it. I'm out. I'm out of the hook. Let's hear it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, gosh, now I, don't even, now I don't even want to say it. It's, it's Hollis. Uh, Hollis. Okay, all right. I was, okay, was going to say that, Well, no, that's strike one. That's okay. You didn't get it right. That's fine. <laughs> no? All right. Well, it's, that's what uh, I was going to get. So. It's James Hollis. 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 Okay, all right. There you so, go. There you go. And James Hollis is also with us tonight. So, And, and it's, also right, nice uh, to know, it's also nice to know who hasn't been listening to my podcast. I say it again every, every, every time I get my show, but that's all right. It's all right, guys. No biggie. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? You know what? That's not fair. And I it's just because I have a bad memory because I did listen to your pod uh, on the way, or at least a portion of it on the way to work the other morning. And I have tried to listen to as many <laughs> APPN pods as I, as I possibly can. I have an hour commute every morning, so I have no excuse. Uh, but no, it's good to have all you guys on. And so just kind of one at a time, uh, if you're a BuzzBeat listener, you know who we are. I'm here with Richie Randall, like always. We're going to talk some Hornets tonight, but we're also going to talk a lot of other stuff across the NBA. Daniel Green, I'm going to throw it to you first. Tell us where you're from, what pod you rep, and uh, where people can find you on Twitter. Well, first let me just say uh, I've had about three three uh, glasses of whiskey. Some of the, It's about 9.30 in the East Coast. Where I'm, I'm from New York, and I, I'm, I do a DFS podcast. So uh, Jimmy Butler was ruled out after lineup block, had him in all my lineups tonight. So at least at least my listeners will know why I'm drunk right now. I uh, lost a lot of money. So Jimmy, but- Jim- Jimmy Butler being ruled out was uh, made me go right to alcohol. But uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Daniel A Green One. Like I said, I run a podcast, a DFS podcast, but it's also more a general NBA. It's called DG Courtroom, and I'm just happy to be here with you guys tonight. Awesome, man. Awesome. So uh, then we got Derek Perez, who's I know he's repping some Denver Nuggets. And I, I'll say that's it's kind of my favorite team, to be honest with you, in the NBA right now. There's just there's so much fun. There's so many different fun aspects of that team, which we'll talk about more tonight. But Derek, what's up, man? What's going on, everybody? Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a fun brand of basketball being played over here right now. 
missing a little bit of the game to be here with you boys, but uh, it's definitely worth it. Uh, like uh, they were telling you guys, uh, run the uh, podcast for Denver, Denver Nuggets. So make sure to go check us out at Dig in Denver and uh, see everything we have to offer. Awesome. And then our man, James, you heard from earlier, James Holas. Uh, James, what's up, my friend? Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate it, man. I run the Truth Podcast, a very Celtic-centric podcast about uh, the world's greatest little man right now, Isaiah Thomas. And I also write for B-Ball Breakdown. And um, you can find me on Twitter at Hoops, formerly known as Snotty Drippin', but I've grown since then. Twitter sensation, I would say. I mean, I, Snotty Drippin', I've, I've kind of known about you for quite some time. You're, you're definitely an entertaining guy to follow on Twitter, so... If you're not already doing that, folks, make sure you you, you follow James. Um, all right, so everybody's introduced. Uh, as usual, you know you can follow Richie uh, on Twitter at Richie Randall and follow me at QCH Spencer. Let's jump right in, fellas. Yesterday, the Hornets and the Bucks made a trade that um, uh, how do you say this kindly was was an interesting trade. Uh, so Spencer Halls and Roy Hibbert are headed to Milwaukee. Uh, four miles Plumley that is coming back to Charlotte. Richie, I'm going to throw it to you first. What were your initial reactions on this trade? Um, when I saw it first come up on my phone, I, I really had no idea what to think. I have some thoughts now, but let's start with you. I think I was, mo- like most Hornets fans, a little bit confused by the trade. Hawes and Hibbert really weren't offering much for us. I know that Hawes was you know, seeing very limited minutes for us. And Hibbert, when he was in there, he was just so slow. So slow on offense, so slow on defense. But I will say that I think that we got a good player in terms of the fit for our system uh, in Miles Plumley. I think the biggest downside when it comes to this trade is actually the, you know, the money that he signed through 2019-2020 for $12.5 million a year when, when Hibbert would have been gone after this year and Hawes would have had a player option. So I think that the, the good side to this trade is that we got someone that fits our system. He can learn uh, from Cody Zeller with the pick and roll. And that's kind of already in his game. Uh, he scores 1.2 points per possession as a role man. But the downside is that contract. And he's 28 years old. Right. Yeah. I mean, the downside is certainly the contract. You know, I I think, you know, Zach Lowe put this stat out there last week. And if you watch the Hornets play a lot like Richie and I do, you understand that there's almost zero ISO basketball played in this offensive system. And a large portion of that is because, yes, they don't have anyone to play ISO basketball, you know, outside of Kimby Walker going to the basket. But they've 3.8 of their possessions end in an ISO situation. And so since Synergy has been tracking this kind of stuff, that would be the lowest in NBA history. Um, so, you know, Plumley, a guy who is a good screener, he's a good roller. You know, he doesn't need the ball in his hands. You know, if he catches it and he scores it, it's going to be a dunk. So, like, saying all that, he's going to fit this system, I think, more so than maybe any other system in the NBA. And that's certainly some of what the Hornets are looking at here. But to your point, Richie, uh, the long-term money you're going to pay this guy is – man, it feels like a very, very desperate trade for the Hornets. And it feels like a trade that – I just, it just doesn't seem like a Rich Cho move to me, and I feel like you know from the ownership of Michael Jordan, um, there's pressure on the front office to win right now, make the playoffs right now, whether that means the eight seed or the five seed. I don't think it matters. I think they want to make the postseason. But yeah, I, I, I think he'll fit this system. I think the Hornets are better today. Uh, they're better today than they were yesterday by adding Mason or Miles Plumlee, but Man, I tell you what, there—it's hard to look at this and say great move, Hornets. 
I want to get some thoughts from from some of our other guys that are joining us tonight because it's always good to hear from an unbiased perspective with which Richie and I are not. So, Daniel, let's start with you. When you saw this trade, I think everyone probably agrees that the Bucks won this trade. Maybe not, but what were your initial reactions, and does this make sense for the Hornets at all? I mean, my initial reaction was this makes sense for no one. I mean, <laughs> now I see the Bucks. The Bucks have Hawes, Hibbert, Monroe, and Henson. We already have Kid not having any clue what to do at the center position. Now he's got four basically bums. Like, I mean, what, what's he gonna do? Play each twelve minutes a night? Not really sure. I mean, I don't see Hibbert fitting in any system right now. He's not. I mean, I don't think he's healthy. Quite honestly, if you watched him play at all this year, I mean, you guys, and you guys watch all the start of the game, so you guys would know better than me. But I mean, he's already slow to begin with, and he was like extra slow this year. I don't see Hibbert having a, a role with the Bucks at all. Uh, but and Kid just. Kid just for the last few years, ever since he's been a coach, always likes to play and just rotate his big man like a wild man. So I'm not sure what the hell he thinks to he's, he thinks he's going to accomplish with that trade from a Milwaukee perspective. Um, and Plumlee was starting to get some run for the Bucks too. So to me, from the Bucks perspective, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, they they were lacking at the center position already, and this does not help them. For Charlotte, I think this can help a little bit. But first of all. I don't want a Zeller and a Plumlee on the same team. Like, dear God. I mean, like, <laughs> there's so many of those guys, I just can't handle it. That's almost too much to take in itself. Um, but, I mean, I think this can help Charlotte a little bit. I do think Plumlee's athletic. Maybe he, he can help. I mean, he's clearly, uh, I, mean, I mean, speaking of, of guys who are slow, Hibbert's slow, but also Hawes is clearly not athletic. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, in some ways, I think this can help them if they want to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, you know, maybe he can help them with the second unit. And maybe they've seen something that I haven't seen because Plumlee hasn't gotten a ton of minutes uh, so far in his, in his short NBA career. So maybe they just see something that, 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 that I don't. But I don't think this is a, you know, a big game changer for either of the teams. Uh, for the Bucks, I think it makes almost zero sense, except kids just, just crazy with big men. Um, and for Charlotte, I do think it helps them a little bit. Um, so I'm a little intrigued. But I'm, I, my, my, my other thought was maybe, that, maybe Charlotte wants to give Frank Kaminsky some more minutes. Um, yeah. At times he's at times he's he has looked good this year. He's also looked really bad. But um, this does open up some extra minutes for him because you can play him at the five. So I'm a little intrigued to see maybe they, they maybe they give they, they let Kaminsky um, have a little bit more of an expanded role in that offense. Yeah. So I mean, you make you make some really really good points there. I like the Kaminsky point at the end. I mean, I think he has to play some five. But let's uh, let's throw it to Derek real quick. Derek, try to break down this trade that is, again, a head-scratcher maybe for both teams, I think. Yeah, I don't see anything big coming from either side. I think the points that were just made are, are all the key ones and probably the best ones. Kaminsky being able to play a little bit of five is probably the best thing that happens from this trade. It doesn't make a lot of sense from the outsider's perspective. Like they're saying, you guys watch the games more than anybody else, but at, from from my side of view, it it just kind of threw me off. I did that little scrunchy face. I didn't understand it. But, uh, hey, you know, maybe Kaminsky gets some more minutes and, and you guys can expand on that and uh, grow that side a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and so James, uh, I, I will say at the beginning of the season, I think Hornets fans, truly, including myself, being one of them, especially after the nineteen and fourteen start, thought that you know, <laughs> we were in that mix of uh, in that class of teams that maybe could compete for that third uh, spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, now that Toronto's fallen off, really, I think it looks like the Celtics are going to end up second. But try to make some sense of this for us. Tell us what you got. Um... It's like trading a bag of cat poop for a, a bag of dog poop. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know exactly what. But honestly, so 
the Bucks are 21st in, in defensive rating, which is is not going to get is not going to cut it, especially with the length that they have and the defenders that they should have. I know Middleton's out, but they should be better defensively. Now, Roy Her- Hibbert, the last time he was effective, let's think about it. He played uh, with a slower offense, and he played with a lot of length and uh, a lot of size, and they were able to make him a, a defensive juggernaut in Indiana. So, I mean, let's. I guess maybe the thinking is. Again, the twenty first in defense. Maybe Milwaukee's thinking that they can they can just squeeze a little bit of of uh, defensive rim protection from Hibbert and maybe turn him into something useful. Uh, last his last year in Indiana, he was a uh, he was plus ten uh, net on off. So, and as far as Charlotte, I mean, they're kind of in a free fall. If I'm looking at this correctly, I think they're four and thirteen in the last seventeen, and you know they, get, they got blown out by Portland a couple nights ago. So I think they're looking for anything. And I, I don't like to pat myself on the back. I've been wrong a lot. At one point, I said that Deion, I would take Deion Waiters over Clay Thompson, so I can't really brag about this. But in the offseason, when I saw that Charlotte lost Al, uh, Al Jefferson, lost Jeremy Lin, and they lost Courtney Lee, and they replaced him with guys like Marco Bellinelli, Ramon Sessions, who I think basically is a, is a walking uh, bag of vomit, and and uh, <laughs> who else they replaced him? Yeah, they, they, they didn't do it. They lost a lot and they didn't do enough to replace guys and it's starting to show. Yeah. So I think, of course, they want they want to play and they have the best collection, I guess, of big white centers in the league right now with uh, with Plumlee and Zeller and and, and the shooter and Kaminsky. Yeah. So I I don't know, man. I, I think the trade might help out the Milwaukee defense a little bit. And, you know, it gives them a little more, I guess, kind of, you know, the, the big kind of bouncy centers that. Are, are all the rage, even though I don't think uh, you know this Plumlee is not is not very good. So, yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it's going to move the needle for either team really. But they're both you know scrabbling around the bottom of the Eastern Conference uh, playoff picture. So I mean, it's it's maybe it's like uh, some people feel like any kind of change might jolt the offense. I don't see it affecting either team too much though. Yeah. So you know, one thing, the last thing I'll say on this trade is that you know the Hornets have been interested in, in Plumley for some time now uh that that has been out there that's documented um you know so they finally found an opportunity to get him on the roster um you know again I, you know I don't think that he he doesn't need to touch the ball much in offense um he's a screener he's a mover he's a runner um and in this in the Charlotte offensive system he is going to move a lot he's going to be in constant motion he's going to be rolling drawing defensive gravity going towards the rim you know so i think it's a better fit for him but you know but again i think you you guys all kind of wrapped it up like it's at the end of the day it's a head scratcher at the end of the day how much sense does it really make for either team i mean i think Milwaukee did get you know out from under one of the worst contracts in the nba on the flip side as charlotte took it and, and thinks they can make that um bag of cat poop uh into something that uh, has some kind of value so we shall see um but let's talk about something a little bit more exciting uh not being a, a bucks and a hornet trade derek i'm gonna throw it to you wilson chandler wants out of denver uh according to a report uh from what you're hearing you're in it every single day out there number one is that true and number two what does that mean for the rest of the league? Because that's a really good player that might be on the trade market. Yeah, I mean, as far as where the rest of the league goes, it's really interesting. It unlocks, just like he does for our combinations and our lineups, he unlocks a lot of potential for a lot of different teams. So it's definitely an interesting uh, rumor that's been spread out there. As reported from uh, Christopher Dempsey, I writes for our post here at Denver, he actually had a chance to secure a, a little mini interview with, with Chandler today. They released it, and and basically Chandler's whole point was consistency, which the Nuggets lineup was had a lot of scrutiny about. You know, at the beginning of the year because of the lack of consistency. 
Um, it, it just went back to he didn't even care about starting. He didn't care if it was 20 minutes or 30 minutes or, or whatever it may have you. He, he just wants consistency is, is what the reports are saying. Um, as, as far as you know, the implications that it has on our team, we're so, so versed in all the options that we have. We have so many different players. Our, our depth is crazy. It's, it's something I gush over all the time. Um, and, and like I said, he, he unlocks so many combinations, which is kind of to his peril. And that's why he gets kind of thrown around and the inconsistencies are there. The, the inconsistency comes from the fact that when we need him and we've had a lot of injuries this year, he gets to get thrown at any spot and produces for us. He's a lethal scorer. He can shoot. He's, he's producing almost career numbers this year. So he's been doing pretty awesome. You know, it's, it's sad to hear the reports, but as far as what's coming from his mouth, he's not necessarily ready to pack his bags yet. He just wants some consistency from the coaches and, and in his role, which I think is understandable for somebody, a, a more veteran player, getting towards the end of his years and kind of playing his better basketball so far, especially coming off that hip uh, injury he just came off of last year. So consistency seems to be key here. Yeah, no, I mean, I, he's he's a great player. I mean, I think he's a starter, you know, in, in, in most cities uh, that have an NBA franchise. You know, so it's definitely confusing, but Denver's trying to figure a lot of things out. They're trying to get a lot of young guys' minutes. They're trying to do a lot of development uh, along with trying to make a playoff run. So they're kind of in a very uh, an interesting situation, I would say. James, do you have a good or maybe a few good trade ideas for Wilson Chandler? Because I cannot imagine that this guy is not wanted by a ton of contenders out there uh, come February 23rd. Yeah, I think 29 other teams could use a Wilson Chandler. He's a little older. He's 29. But I mean, and he, like, you know, last couple of seasons, he's been hindered by that hip and he's missed a lot of games. But as we're seeing this year, he's a quality, quality kind of starter. I mean, uh, the numbers speak for themselves. This year he's averaging uh, per thirty six is averaging almost eighteen and eight, which is amazing. Uh, and yeah, he just wants to play. And at his age, it's probably doesn't fit the timeline what Denver's doing. Honestly, as a Celtics guy, I would love to see him in Boston. He provides scoring punch. Um, his defense is spotty, but he has you know has length in the tools. I know the Thunder could use a guy like him uh, desperately. I don't know if they have anything that that Denver really wants. Um, the Clippers, the Clippers would would if the Clippers got healthy and had Wilson Chandler. They would vault into, I think, almost contention with Golden State, even though Golden State, of course, has those four all-stars and those two MVP-type guys. So teams like that, uh, a team like Charlotte definitely needs perimeter scoring. They could use him. Um, and, you know, he's, he has that size where he can toggle between power forward and small forward. Any team could use him. He's like a Swiss Army knife. He has a really nice scoring touch. Um, yeah, it's it's tough, and I feel bad for him. There's players like him. Um, that they're at that time in their life where they don't want maybe want to babysit. They don't want to be part of a rebuilding project. So I can understand where he's coming from, and I think it would behoove Denver to either you know uh, the coach. I know he he's been shuffling lineups trying to find something that works, but for a veteran guy, that's why it's so hard to juggle uh, being a veteran, having veterans that need to play and actually trying to build up young guys. Because sure, they're they're in contention for the eighth seed right now. I think they actually are in the eighth spot. But you know, this, these are humans, and things like this come up. So no matter what, they got to figure it out. But yeah, I, I, I could if he wants to get moved, it's, it won't be hard for Denver to get a pretty good haul for him. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. You know, I look at like a few teams that could benefit from him. I think the Clippers are certainly one. Like I, I think it plugs, you know, a few holes in one with them. But you know, it, it certainly helps them on the wing. You know, a team that I really think should take a hard look at at, at this guy is Toronto. Um, you know, I think they have things they can move, and I know they need a power forward. 
you know, in the uh, and he's not, you know, to your point, he can toggle between three and four, but he's not really a power forward. But you know, I think that like Toronto could get away w- with playing him there. And I don't know that it answers all of their questions or makes them an immediate contender, but I, you know, it's not going to cost you per se, like what a Paul Millsap obviously is going to cost you, but I think it does make you better immediately. Um, it, it just depends on kind of what the price is there. And I think that's the biggest question. Like what is the price tag um, to a guy uh, like Wilson Chandler, you know, in the, you know, in the West, you know, I, I see more teams in the East that can benefit from uh, a guy like Wilson Chandler that I do in the West, but those are the two teams that really stick out to me. Um, I, I think, the Clippers could use him, and I think the Raptors could find a way if they're willing to think outside the box uh, and, and think something else than a true power forward. Uh, I think it could really help them. Charlotte, obviously, I mean, I, Richie and I have talked about Wilson a lot uh, as a fit in Charlotte. I think he's a great fit. They, we just don't have anything to trade. Like, unless we send a first-round pick, which, uh, you know, I would imagine, like, when those two teams start talking, that's going to be what they ask for Denver uh, I, I just don't see Charlotte parting ways with a first round draft pick for him but um, but yeah I don't think there's going to be a shortage of teams really uh, you know again looking for a talent like this to improve their chances uh, Daniel any other ideas any other teams that maybe we're not talking about it for a Wilson Chandler fit no I mean like the, the main team that I, I mean I was thinking was Toronto um, and the Clippers would probably be the other one you guys already mentioned both those teams I mean Toronto Man, they need one more score. I mean, DeMar, um, DeMar DeRozan takes so many bad shots. Hopefully, if, if they got – and they realize, you know, guys like Damari Carroll um, and Patrick Patterson, who are nice players, they play hard, good defensively, but just give nothing some nights on the offensive end. Um, so and if they could get a guy like Wilson Chandler, that would, that would alleviate a lot of the pressure off DeMar DeRozan from taking those horrendous 20-foot fadeaway jumpers – you know, all the time, um, and, and also make Kyle Lowry's life a little easier. Um, yeah, I think a team like Toronto, they're like one score away from really giving Cleveland. Cleveland's been struggling this year. As much as everyone thinks Cleveland's a lock to make the finals, and they probably are, um, but I do think if Toronto could grab a guy like Wilson Chandler, it would make things interesting there um, as well. And the Clippers have been searching for a you know a wing guy. It seems like for years now they just can't uh, can't get a you know a, a nice small forward, even a, a stretch four. Uh, I mean, right now, I mean, when they when they throw in like Mo Spates or someone like that, it's just it's so infuriating to try to watch the Clippers compete with Golden State uh, with a guy like that. that. So I think though, I think you guys already hit on the two main teams that that I would look uh, that I would try to if I was the general manager of those two teams, I would try to get Wilson Chandler. And the, I know that the general manager for Toronto, he's one of the brightest guys in the league. So um, he might be able to, he might be creative enough to come up with a package that could hopefully uh, that could snag uh, Wilson Chandler. Yeah, I think Toronto like it, it seems like Masai like has and he's he's a careful conservative GM that always always as competitive as they've been the past few seasons. He's he is not um you know, he has not sold his future. Uh and, and so this is kind of that one trade deadline that really that really I think tempts him to do that. So I think Wilson Chandler, again, that's that's your that's your way out because that guy doesn't cost you uh, you don't have to mortgage your whole future on him, you know. Like you can get him for way less. You're going to get like Paul Millsap and probably still get better. Um, so it's so it's interesting. His name to Toronto. What I want to ask Richie before we move on, Richie, is is there a realistic situation scenario to get him to Charlotte? The only one that I was thinking of is if we did MKG straight up for Chandler, and I don't know if that would make sense for both teams. I feel like 
Wilson Chandler's a more polished version of MKG. I think MKG obviously is a better rebounder uh, and probably has a slight edge on the defensive end. But obviously he's younger. So I don't know if Derek can speak on that or anyone else. Would that trade seem fair or would it would it make sense for either team to, to trade MKG to Denver in a place where they need defense? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I do want I do want everybody else to kind of give their opinion on that trade because Richie and I have talked about that before. MKG for Wilson Chandler. Go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can hop in on that. Yeah, I mean, that to me, that's intriguing because when I watch Denver play some games, they have just too many offensive guys on the court. So, you know, there's only one ball, especially if Jokic keeps developing, like, you know, the way he's been playing lately. Wouldn't it make sense to get a defensive-oriented guy um, who can really be a lockdown defender? I mean, you know, and I think we've already touched on it. Wilson Chandler, he can be okay defensively, but some nights... Um, you you can tell he's clearly just looking to only play on one end of the court. Um, and I think right now, if Denver could get a guy like that, to me that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, I'll I'll speak up next because um, I think it, because I'm not too sure of it. I think it's probably good for both teams, right? That's how trades usually work. If, I, if I'm if I feel kind of lukewarm about it, it's probably pretty good for both teams. A couple other things I want to say. Uh, it's weird that we're saying, and it's it's funny because for most of the season, Toronto has has had up either the best or second or third best offense in the league as far as offensive rating and it's crazy now that they now we're saying they need another score even though you're right it's just, it's just weird how that works and the ultimate irony of somehow uh somehow delicious irony if they could work a trade somehow with the knicks and somehow he goes he goes to the knicks and they somehow bring home the the prodigal son carmelo anthony just do it <laughs> just just for the just for the chaos factor i'd love to see it but i know i know mellow would never allow that yeah, I know him and him and Lala would never have that. But yeah, as far as going to Charlotte, uh, he he fit great with Charlotte. Wilson Chandler fit great with Charlotte. And you're right. I think maybe there's just too many too many uh, cooks in the kitchen in 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 Denver, and they could use a guy who's just going to crash the board and play defense. Why not? Yeah, honestly, the the thing we need the most is defense. You guys are saying our our offense. We have so many options. And even in that little interview with Christopher Dempsey that I mentioned earlier. He says about that that that's kind of the way this team works. Whoever has the hot hand is going to play the bench, and Malone has said that multiple times in the season. So, with with at any time that one of our guys can go off, it's it's super deadly in the whole league. But at the same time, it creates these kind of problems, conundrums for for our good players who may not have a hot hand that night. A defensive player would be awesome. I, the value is I feel like Wilson's better, but at the same time, we need defense. And like you were talking about, James, it's. If it's beneficial for the teams, it, it's probably a good thing. Um, I think a, a defensive player is really, really what we need. Personally, I'd like to see like a Serge Ibaka come with the rim protector because Jokic sucks on defense. He's great on offense, but he's horrible on defense. So uh, defense is what we need. And I, I, I don't know if I love that trade, but to get that value in there, I, I, it might be something we could work out. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that is pretty much – what Richie and I have discussed, uh, and we've discussed this deal quite a bit, but yeah, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. Charlotte would never do that deal. I think Denver would be more willing to do it than Charlotte, and I think really the only factor in that is age, right? Um, there are teams out there, I'm sure, that covet MKG, the Hornets being one of them, uh, saying, okay, w- we can we can develop him offensively. We can figure out a way to make him a, you know, um, some somewhat of a, an average offensive player. Uh, and then what he brings defensively, I don't know if it shows up in the stats all the time, but Richie and I can speak to the fact that that guy is, uh, you're just, you're not like, you're not going to find a better on the ball defender on the wing, maybe, maybe one or two in the league, but, but MKG plays as hard as, as anybody out there from night to night basis. 
Okay, so those are interesting. Hey, real quick, takes. guys, can I ask you a quick yeah. question? Uh, I just yes. want to know if, if I'm if I'm wrong to say this. Would you say that uh, MKG is basically a a rich man, a very rich man's Andre Roberson? He does drive that, to the basket more than Roberson, though. But I mean, that's a, that's a, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he, yeah, exactly. He doesn't stay in the corner. He's a super good cutter. You know, I don't hate that comp, but I also do hate it. <laughs> I think he's I think he's closer to. You know, Roberson and him are more along the same age, but but I, I do think the Tony Allen comp is is a is a fair one. Uh, MKG hasn't yet learned to be. How do I say this? He hasn't learned to take the ball to the basket in a chaotic way, but at the same time, be a little bit under control and be able to finish at a decent rate, like Tony Allen learned to do, uh, and and also Tony Allen learned how to get to the to the foul line. Right, those are the two things that MKG hasn't learned to do offensively, which I do think he will. You know, I think it, to, to focus on his jump shot is just that should just not be a conversation anymore because he's never going to be a good jump shooter. But he can learn to drive the ball in a more controlled way. You know, that allows him to finish more often, but then also get to the foul line more often, which he's really bad at right now. But I think he will get better at. So I get what you're saying with Roberson, but like I. I I think there's very fundamental differences in their games, uh, in the way they play offensively that that makes it really hard to compare those two as well. Well, I just meant as far as two guys who bring it all and defensively are are everything you want in a guy, but as far as uh, offensively are so limited. While I said, and that's why he's a rich man's Robertson because he's not like Robertson's a, a net negative, and he actually will probably kill your offense. While MKG seems to blend in a little better, is better cutting off ball and doing other stuff. So don't right. think too deep into it. I just mean two very, you know, defensively elite, but offensively challenged guys. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, and I, I don't think – I mean, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, all right, so I want to talk about uh, a few other nuggets here that I think are also or probably should be on the trade block uh, before the trade deadline. So Yusuf Nurkic and Will Barton, probably two guys that um, other teams are certainly calling about. Let's let's start with Derek again here. Derek, are these two guys you expect to be moved before the deadline uh, or not? And then and tell me why or why not you think so. Yeah, Yusuf Nurchik, he's he's definitely going. He's he's on his way out. He has one foot out right now. The only reason he plays right now is because Jokic is on minute restrictions because he just had that little hip strain. But that man's been out for a while now, and and uh, he's he's getting pretty heavily scrutinized here in Denver for his. His energy. He's kind of like a Dwight Howard. He's a big diva for sure. Kid has mad amounts of potential and talent. He's strong. Um, he has a good motor when he wants to. But yeah, just as of late, he's just been playing horrible. He's publicly came out and and um, expressed his disdain for his situation here in Denver. Unfortunately, so it's just a matter of time. It's going to heat up real quick. Whether it's a package deal or uh, straight up for somebody else, I don't expect uh, Juice of Nurkic to be here very much longer. Um, as far as Barton goes, Barton's actually one of my favorite players right after Wilson, so I was pretty bummed when I heard the Wilson news. But uh, Barton's a, he, he's a great player. He's The last two years now, people have been coming knocking at our doors for him. He's a lethal scorer, you know, especially off the bench. He showed that he can improve and get better at things. He had a little setback this year after coming off the injury and stuff. Like I said, we've been injuring all year, injury prone. But, uh, but I, don't, I don't know if I expect him to go or not. I may see like a Kenneth. Kenneth was on the trade blog not too long ago. Um, but as far as Barton goes, he, he I hope that we keep him, and I think he may be around for a little bit. Kind of one of those pieces we can work around with all of our young uh, depth that we have going on here in Denver. Yeah, so, I mean, those are two – Will Barton, I will say, is I, I think – 
the most interesting underrated kind of under the radar names coming into this trade deadline and I think I like him as much as any player that's been that's really been talked about Daniel and James uh just go at your own pace here whoever wants to go first go but reactions agree disagree talk about these two players to me maybe who makes sense why they leave, why they don't leave. I mean, I guess the, the main question when it comes to Nurkish for me would be, what is Denver asking? I mean, what's their asking price? Um, obviously, mm-hmm. I think he has some upside. I mean, we've seen him have flashes where he looks super talented. The, the one, one thing that I find, I find pretty interesting is I'm not sure how he could be so upset with his role. Like, has he not been watching Jokic just destroy <laughs> everyone and become, like, the greatest player in the world? So I'm not sure, like, his, what, what, what his monstrous beef is right now. Like... I mean, obviously, we saw earlier in the year like Jokic and Nurkic just can't play on the court together. It's just excruciating to watch. So, yeah, it makes sense Denver has to move them, but I think they like all, every other team in the NBA knows that. So, why would a team give a huge package when they? I mean, it's it's somewhat similar to the the Okafor Noel situation in Philly. Every team in the NBA knows Philly's trying to unload one, if not both, of those guys because they right. can't play with Embiid. So. I mean, if I was another team, I wouldn't be willing to give a, a, a huge package to get someone like Nurkic. Um, you know, I guess Jason Kidd could throw his hat in the ring to get another big man because uh, <laughs> he's crazy enough to do it. But, I mean, that's, to me, that's the big question with Nurkic. Yes, he should, he should be dealt, but what is Denver's asking price? How, you know, how hard are they going to kind of push for, for a, a really good package when every team in the league knows that they're looking to, to, unle- uh, you know, to basically get rid of him? Um, and that's why I think Noel and Okafor are basically – uh, still, still with Philly. I mean, so I think Denver's going to have to maybe give him some extra minutes so other teams can see how good he can be. But like how, as we we already discussed, Denver doesn't have Denver has too many guys playing well right now. So I don't know how that's going to be accomplished either. So it's a really perplexing yet intriguing situation with Nurkic in terms of Barton. I mean, I agree with what was already said. Um, a, he can he'd be good on a lot of teams because he's instant scoring off the bench. I mean, he's basically Jamal Crawford before Jamal Crawford started aging rapidly before our eyes. I think. Kind of this year, Jamal Crawford has been really up and down, um, and I think Will Barton's kind of a similar type player, just instant offense. And a lot of guys, you know, a lot of teams can obviously use that off the bench. He could maybe even start for a few teams. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, and that, that's kind of my initial thoughts on those two, those two players. But I mean, the, actually, the guy that I, I was would rather talk about is Fareed. Like you guys, I mean, especially the Denver the guys who host the Denver show. Like, can we can they just get rid of De- uh, Fareed already? Like, what's the like what's the deal with him? I'm just tired of him playing. Two minutes, then twelve minutes, then thirty minutes. As a DFS guy, it just drives us nuts. You know, I mean, I'm not. I, does Malone <laughs> want him there? Does, does Denver management want him there? Um, it's just. It's. I mean, ever, ever since he's you know, last like two, three years, it's. Just, I mean, is there a more perplexing guy in the NBA than Fareed? That's a good yeah, question. He works, he works perfect for us over here at the short corner. Malone, God, Malone's been. He's been getting torn up, like I said, by the media, by the fans, everybody on his rotational use, and, and everybody. Uh, Fareed actually came out and he was he was complaining about not starting and he's had some multiple multiple great games here in Denver. Um, <laughs> I don't know I don't know if we want or if we don't. He's like I said he's been on the trade block for the last couple of years as well. So um, yeah, yeah, it's like whenever Fareed gets minutes, he produces. I mean, he does have obviously defensive deficiencies, but it seems like whenever he gets run, he puts up a monster number. Um, sometimes numbers can be misleading, but. <laughs> Um, it's just I'm, I'm always you know I've always been perplexed. Is Den- does, what's Denver's kind of plan for him? Do they want him? Do they not want him? Um, it's, well, see, that's it's the thing. That's the thing with that's the thing with Denver in general right now. They they need to make some kind of moves and several moves probably to to maybe consolidate some of this talent. They got they're they're too deep. 
they're too deep and they're too young right now. And it sounds like a good problem to have. And it is because right now it doesn't really matter for them. But um, like you said, like Will Barton, right? But then you got Jamal Murray. You got Moody, no matter how people really feel about him. You got Gary Harris. You got your boy. Um, what's, my, what's my guy's name? The Beasley. Uh, Malik Beasley's yeah. in there. You got that's ah. just it's too much. It's just too much. And then for big men yeah. again, you got Fareed, you got Jokic, you got Nurkic, you got uh, Hernan Gomez, who's a he plays three four, right? Am I right? Yeah. You got it's, it's just it's just it's it's just too. And uh, Danilo plays you know small forward and power forward. As is Will Chandler. It's just too too much. And and, and you still and I, you still got Darrell Arthur sitting there. You still got Darrell Arthur sitting there. I mean, so I, I get it. it's great. It's a good problem to have again because now you got so many things to choose from, but. The human element comes in, and guys want to play. They don't want to play 15 minutes and two minutes. When I, guys want to play, especially your vet guys. So um, I know that right now the league is saturated with really good bigs, but, I mean, you can always use more. Like, I know uh, I hate to keep beating the drum. Boston could definitely – Boston Celtics could uh, use a guy like Nurkic. They need some size and interior toughness and rebounding. They need that. We were saying that uh, Will Barton is, you know, like Jamal, like Jamal Crawford. I think he's probably a better – He's not the, the explosive score that Jamal was, but right now he's way more efficient. And maybe may, may, it, as far as, uh, yeah, prime Jamal is really good. I'm not going to say he's better than Jamal ever was. That's, not, that's a lie. But, yeah, again, uh, maybe 25, 26 other teams could use a Will Barton, a sparkler off the bench or a spot starter. So um, I, I'm with you guys with Nurkic because especially I don't know. I'm not as plugged in as you guys are. I haven't seen all the complaining and, and uh, maybe the, the, the outward expressions of frustration with that's weird because that's a good thing from a player. You want guys to know they're good and want to play, and it's just a bad situation for him. That there might just be the thing. So he's 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 probably gone. A guy like Will Barton, I would say that they're going to move Chandler. If once they move Chandler, and with, I know that Denver's in the playoff hunt, I don't know if they're going to move Will Barton because he actually provides what they desperately need, which is consistent perimeter scoring. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and and the thing with Will Barton. He's like on a steal of a contract. Like, what is it, $3 million a year? So Denver's not going to trade him straight up for anyone. He's going to be attached to a trade, if anything. So, I mean, I, th- I think Derek could probably speak on that. Like, you're not going to trade a guy that's making $3 million a year and producing like he is just straight up for someone. So if, if I think if he's in a trade, he's going to be attached to someone else in that, in that Denver trade. And real quick, yeah. I also want to say that I want to say right now that the Nuggets are everything that the Orlando Magic thought they would be. A couple of years ago, when they they had a lot of young pieces, they had Tobias Harris, Victor Oladipo, and uh, they had you know, um, uh, our guy from was it from Spain? What's the kid's name? Mario Hazonia, or where are we from? And so they had all this young talent, and I think Orlando really bungled it. So I think the onus now is on Denver management, the Denver Denver front office, to be very smart and selective with who they move and who they keep. But they got to make a move because guys are already getting restless. Yeah, it's too crowded there. Um, James, I really like your point. I, I think there's no better fit for Nurkic in the entire NBA than in Boston. Like, right? Like, you're exactly right. Like, they're the worst defensive rebounding team in the league, right? Oh, Aren't they 30th right disgusting. now? Yeah, yeah so they had, yeah, and, and he's a bruiser. Like, he's, he's physical. I think he could give them a real spark. Um, you know, I, I think that's the best fit for him in the whole league. Boston has all this stuff to trade. But, you know, again, what's his asking price? And that, that's, what, that's what the big mystery is here. I don't see Boston, you know, obviously they can make a big splash whenever they want with all the assets they have. But, like, Nurkic isn't going to cost you that. And that's certainly a trade I would explore right now. Uh, because all of a sudden, like, Toronto just lost again tonight. Boston's second in the East. Uh, Brad Stevens just got named uh, the head coach of the Eastern Conference All-Star team. Like, 
they can go for it right now if they actually want to. And I think Nurkic really moves the needle for them with the way that Cleveland's playing right now and, and really gives them a serious chance, maybe potentially in the Eastern Conference final series. Uh, and then the one thing I wanted to say about Will Barton is, you know, all you guys talked about, you know, what he brings to you offensively off the bench and how he's been super efficient this year. And he's, you know, he's an electric scorer. He's kind of that six man Jamal Crawford type. But no one mentioned that guy is a defensive player when he wants to be like he he can really uh, get into passing lanes. He has length. He plays with energy down in on that end of the floor. I don't know that he does it as consistently, you know, as coaches would like to see him do it. But plug him into the right into the right uh uh, system and, and I think that he makes you better defensively as well. So I don't think Will Barton's, um, you know, I don't think his strengths all lie on the offensive end of the floor. I think he has serious value on the defensive end as well, and that's it's one of the big reasons on, on top of the contract, which Richie mentioned, is why I think that he might be one of the best value players, not only at this trade deadline, but one of the best value players in the entire NBA. So it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with some of these guys uh, in Denver at the trade deadline. It's just hard to imagine that they don't make at least one deal, if not two. Um, so, all right, so let's move on to, I think, what will be a really fun segment. Let's let's walk through some teams here, some teams that we've already discussed a lot tonight, some teams that we all kind of represent, uh, buyers or sellers, as we get closer to the deadline, which is now almost exactly three weeks away on February the 23rd. Uh, let's start with the Hornets. Uh, Richie, <clears throat> let's, start, let's kind of start with you here. Do you consider the Hornets to be buyers or sellers of the deadline? Obviously, they've already made a trade. They made one yesterday. Is there another deal coming? Uh, a lot of people think so, or do you think they're done? They're just going to ride it out with this group and kind of see what happens. I would hope there's another trade coming with that that trade right there. It seems like we're, we're committed to winning this year by trading away Hawes and Hibbert for Plumlee. So if, if that was the only trade that we made this this deadline, uh, I don't see what really sense it makes because we're going to still end up in the, the eighth seed uh, at, at this point. So I'm, I, I would have rather just sat it out and, and just ride it out and just let go, cut ties with Hibbert at the end of the year. Because we probably would have ended up in the same spot with with Plumlee as it is now, so I see the Hornets being uh, buyers in, in this trade deadline. So whether or not it's a backup point guard or a scorer off the bench, those are probably our top two targets at this point. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think they are going to be buyers because I think what that trade yesterday told you is that yes, they're going for it right now. Um, there's pressure for them to win right now from from the top. If if you were paying attention to some really under the radar NBA news within the last two hours, you saw that Ramon Sessions has a meniscus tear in his left knee. Um, oh, so wow. some of you guys, even on this podcast, yeah, probably are just now hearing about this, but came out a few hours ago. So that explains why the Hornets added or signed Ray McCallum to a ten day contract today. They also signed Mike Toby to the extra roster spot that they created through that trade to a 10-day contract uh, yesterday. So they have those two 10 days. Ray McCallan gives them some insurance, you know, until then. But, you know, obviously those 10 days expire before the trade deadline. And with if he's, you know, if Ramon at his age has a torn left meniscus, like, I mean, as far as I know, which is not a lot about injuries, I'm not a doctor, but like a left meniscus tear is going to keep him out a while. So the Hornets have to address that outside of a 10-day contract one after another. So I do think they find a way to make a move. Uh, let's toss it uh, Let's toss it to you guys. Uh, with that news that you just heard, which kind of 
change the whole conversation since I made the script from earlier. Uh, the Hornets definitely make another move, right, James? I mean, let's see how McCollum does. Maybe, you know, one of these 10-day guy sticks around, 10-day guy sticks around. And I think, actually, it's probably a good move because I think Sessions is, is trash. So they, <laughs> the, now they – I'd rather get rid You're of right zero. about that, right. my man. <laughs> yeah, he's so he's somebody. You know what? And we had a, I had a uh, early in the season. I had a discussion with somebody that we probably all follow and respect. And he was telling me how Sessions was an upgrade from Jeremy Lin. And I almost lost my I almost blocked him on Twitter. I almost spammed him because he's a smart, professional, uh, verified account telling me this nonsense. But um, can we disclose this? Can we disclose this this person's identity? Um, he's a Utah guy. Um, uh, maybe maybe David, in the show. No, David David Locke. No. I, David Locke doesn't talk to me at all. I'm I'm too too low on the totem pole. Um, I can't remember that right now, but I, I'll maybe I'll tell you guys on in, uh, in the Slack comment or something. You guys can go make fun of him. But uh, yeah, so they do need a guard. Uh, there's a couple guys out there. Uh, Mario Chalmers should 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 help some team if Cleveland doesn't pick him up. They I heard Jordan Farmar actually did really well in their in their in Cleveland's quote unquote you know mega free agent tryout thing. So there's a couple guards who, who can stop up minutes and and maybe do some things, but they definitely need somebody because they don't you don't want to overtax Kemba. I mean I I don't know what the answer is for Charlotte. I I just I think maybe right now they're springing a lot of leaks. They just they look really out of sync. There's just not enough consistent scoring outside of Kemba Walker, and he's starting to maybe show signs of a little bit fraying around the edges. I don't know if you if I'm wrong or not. You guys tell me. Because I mean, it's a long season and it, it, it's a taxing load that he carries. So I, I just don't know if there's any answers really for Charlotte right now. Yeah, that's why I didn't really understand the trade unless if there was another one coming. Uh, I would have rather have just like sat out the trade deadline and, and see where we would where it would take us. Probably around the same spot, you know, seven or eight seed. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, Richie. It, it only makes sense that uh, that there would be something else coming, you know, that and, and especially with this injury now. I mean, they have to. Like I, I know that the backup center position was was a muck fest, and but so was the backup point guard. But like I, I think it's like pick your poison with which position was actually worse: backup point guard, backup center. So I don't think the Hornets just answered the question to the problem, you know, with with replacing who their backup center is. I, I think there's just as much of a gaping hole with backup point guard. But uh, does it, I mean, do the other guys have really any thoughts on whether you think the Hornets are gonna? be a buyer or seller but you know in the next three weeks yeah i mean that's 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 charlotte hornets talk right there yeah if you're not in charlotte you're like "Uh, yeah do we have to talk about the hornets can we just please move on (laughs) so 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 we will okay that's uh, silence is is the key to the next conversation so i mean i can jump in no i mean like i think they're gonna be buyers but i mean i think i think they have a more fundamental issue so i mean like they can make these smaller moves to kind of sneak into that seven eight spot but ultimately what is that going to do for you um so I mean, I, I, we talked about you know Denver was another organization like they got, the organization just has to figure out like what's their goal? Does Charlotte just want to keep hovering around that six, seven, eight seed? And it sounds like right now because Jordan is you know and ownership is really just content on them making the playoffs, they're probably going to just you know keep making minor moves like that to get in. Uh, but yeah. ultimately, I think they I think they need a, a bigger shakeup um, if they truly want to make some noise going forward. Uh, you know so. Yeah, I mean you're right. Like, like I would try to lay it out. Like Charlotte considered themselves to be one of the Toronto, Boston, Washingtons. Uh, I, I don't know. Name your Eastern Conference team, which just at the beginning of the season with that, and in the first you know month and a half, two months, like you could have thrown seven teams in a bag and like sped them out to the end of the season, and it would you would have no idea who comes out as the two or three, right? Like things have worked themselves out since then, but like in the off season, 
in the first month and a half of the season, like Charlotte considered themselves as, as one of those teams and the ownership did and the front office did. And, you know, the people that said Courtney Lee, Al Jefferson, Jeremy Lin, you cannot overcome those losses, which was a lot of people. I was not one of them. I thought they would actually be able to weather the storm a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's turned out that those losses were too big. And and to your guys' points, I mean, they they are in a situation where, like, how much longer does Charlotte just keep running it back in no man's land, right, in between the fifth seed and the 12th seed in the Eastern Conference? Because I don't care what, you know, the, I don't care what the salary cap is. I don't care what the tax line is. Like, you can't exist in the middle. And if you do, you can't get better. So, I mean, that's just the way the NBA is set up. So, you know, that's a – it's a question that Charlotte has to answer, and and that could come. That answer could come in a lot of different forms. But I will say that there are smart people in that front office, um, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like it. I know Rich Joe knows what he's doing, uh, but but some people have to let him do his job. I'm talking to you, Michael Jordan. <clears throat> uh, but but that's been a problem for a long time. But that's that's been a problem for for quite some time, um, and I, I don't know that it'll ever end. All right, so enough of the Hornets. Whatever. Let me just also echo. Session stinks. So yeah. Oh, he's, he's off. I mean, I agree he's with you hundred percent. He's the absolute worst. And now we can't trade him with that injury. Oh my god. Yeah. Now stinks. you can't do anything with him. Yeah. And they gave him they I'm gave Mark- him more than one year in guaranteed money. That's the craziest part about this. It's uh, it's insanity. It really is. All right. Well, let's talk about a team that is far more interesting than the Hornets, Boston. Uh, James. What does Boston do here? We talked about a little bit of it earlier. I think that we agree, like Nursich, really Nursich. I, I can't even say his last name, so don't make fun of me for me just butchering that last name. But I think he makes a ton of sense in Boston. Are they definitely a buyer before the deadline, or can they sit this thing out and still give Cleveland a series in the Eastern Conference Finals? Their fatal flaw is the interior defense and rebounding, and Nurkic would help a lot there. And if, they, if they're if they not buyers, then they're going to be quick outs. They're just going to be quick outs in the playoffs because they'll get hammered on the boards by a team. Um, you know, they'll, they'll get out of the first round at least, I'm pretty sure, if they're the you know, two seed. But even that's not guaranteed because, again, if they meet a team like the Pacers and – well, Pacers aren't heavy rebounders either, but you you guys get the idea. In, uh, rim protection and rebounding is, is is their Achilles heel, and it'll come back to bite them if they're not buyers. So they definitely need some size. I wouldn't mind if they swung a big deal and kind of swung defenses and a guy like a Nerlens Noel, if, as long as it doesn't cost too much, and it probably would. Cost prohibitive in that guy, that one. I've been hearing Vucevic's name, uh, Orlando Vucevic's name tossed around, which wouldn't be, the, wouldn't be terrible because he's a rebounder and he's a decent scorer, and you can play Al Horford at power forward. Um, I've also heard Serge Ibaka, you know, as a one-year rental. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't be mad at that. Um, again, just the cost of of getting him in, and I, I don't know if I want to pay him the, you know, eighteen to twenty to twenty-two million to keep him long term because he's he's a free agent this summer. But they just they need something. Um, maybe something with Milwaukee. Milwaukee has those, all those bigs now. Maybe just a couple little pieces, a couple second round picks or something, but. Uh, yeah, Boston right now has everything a team really needs. Uh, maybe they could use one more shooter, but they just—they're just so. I mean, watching Al Horford grab two, three, four rebounds in a game while he's his his other his counterpart in the other team grabs fourteen, fifteen is so frustrating. Yeah, and I—I I mean, like we expected that with Boston coming into the season, right? Like you look at their roster, and I don't think it should be a surprise to anyone. Like they struggle to rebound the basketball. Like when Al Horford is your 
center, you know, for the extended amount of minutes throughout a game, like you're not, it's the same thing Atlanta battled. Like it's the same thing that the Eastern conference, the 60 win Eastern conference finals, Atlanta team battled, like they didn't rebound the basketball. Well, so it's just like that travels without Horford because teams want him to play five. And, you know, really when push comes to shove, the game slows down a little bit in the playoffs like that. You don't need him to be your behemoth down there trying to pull down rebounds. So isn't isn't Bradley their leading score or leading rebounder? He is, I think. I, I, here's the thing. And now Horford, I don't blame him one bit. He is who he is. He is who he has been. He's not even a, quite a finesse player. He's just not a. He's he's not a tremendous rebounder. I call him the offensive lubricant because he makes everything so much better. I'm going to give like 20 percent of Isaiah Thomas's success this year to out, having Al Horford on the team. I'm going to give Jake Crowder's playing. Huh. Jake Crowder is a career like 35 percent three point shooter or whatever, or 32 percent thing. And now he's like he's approaching 50, 40, 90. And that's because Al Horford demands he 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 does draw attention and he's a great passer from the interior and from the elbows, and um, he he just makes the team so much better. He's he's not the main ingredient, but he's secret sauce that makes everything so much better. So uh, I'm not mad at him. I'm just uh, Danny Ainge. It behooves him to go out and get somebody to go um, to hit the boards. You know, I mean, there's there has to be somebody out there that they can that they can target. Larry Sanders. I've been hearing the Larry, the Larry Sanders thing. That that's definitely something. As long as you can keep him out of the, the head shops, you're you're good, right? He, he can't smoke his way back out of the league. So, <laughs> hey, Larry Sanders, uh, I I work in Richmond, Virginia. Proud proud VCU Ram, and the reputation has followed him a long way from his Richmond days. So let's just leave it at that. All right, so guys, I can't hold it anymore. The guy who told me that Ramon Sessions was better was an upgrade from Jeremy Lin. My man Ben oh, Dowsett. Please tell me. Oh, ben Dowsett oh. of Basketball Insiders. Ben, I love you to death. But <laughs> hanging about to made, try. Oh, I'm gonna. I, I got to, dude. I'm look. I I said that Deion Waiters would be better than Clay Thompson. I deserve this. Okay, Fair. I deserve Fair. to be right sometimes. But yeah, me and Ben had a long extended conversation, and he was very confident that losing, you know, a combined almost 35, 13, and twelve from those three players wouldn't make a difference for Charlotte. And sometimes I'm right. Hey, sometimes you're right, and a lot of people in Charlotte try to justify that in the offseason, and I told him that, yeah, there was no way. Um, Derek, you, yeah, Derek and Daniel, um, do you guys – what are the Celtics going to do with the deadline? Do they definitely make a trade, or do you think they stay in pat? Yeah, I, I think they need to make a trade, go for somebody big, and, and really maybe get that, that shooter that James was talking about. Um, I heard a couple of people talk about maybe you know even Jimmy Butler going over there. I don't know how viable that is, but – Getting somebody who can who can just take you that one extra step and, and maybe even a defender or, or a rebounder like Nurk may may help you guys out a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think they need to make a trade for sure. The question for me is I mean, how long is we hear about these assets that Danny Ainge has for it seems like decades now. So it's, at some point he's got to pull the trigger, right? And it seems that this year, I mean, you know, as with Cleveland down a little bit, um, Isaiah Thomas suddenly one of the what top five point guards in the league right now. Um, Seems like now would be a good chance to pull the trigger on some type of trade um, and use those and use those assets. Um, a couple quick things. One thank, thing. I, thank you. I, I, that sounds that sounds awesome, dude. But let's 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 slow down. I don't know about top five. Let's 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 pump the brakes on that a little bit. Well, I'm just. I mean, lately he's been playing top five. Is, is that going to sustain itself throughout the course of the year? Probably not. Uh, but he. I mean, he's been incredible. He's on his, on, a, on quite the run run right now. And the one thing I'll, I'll ask you regarding Horford. Every time I watch Boston play, it seems like he's further and further away from the hoop. Um, I mean, like, is, is it just me or is he a lot more on the perimeter these days? 
No, you're absolutely right. He's been uh, he's he started it last year in Atlanta where and uh, where he shot way more threes like that season than he had in his whole career. And it's good. He was expanding his game, but I think he he's taking it too far in Boston where he shoots a lot of threes and uh, that's pulling him out of position from rebounding. And so yeah, it's something that uh, you know maybe Brad Stevens wants him to do it, but it it would behoove him to probably not shoot quite so many threes. Let me let me jump in real quick. Does that not is that not as much of an attribute to Isaiah Thomas's success this season as anything? Like when he has that much space to operate in, like that's why he's having this breakout year. That's because he's next to Al Horford, which I'm pretty sure, James, you kind of said that earlier. You said he's a lubricant to the offense. Like his numbers don't matter as much, especially shooting from the outside, as it does the the overall efficiency of Boston's offense because you have a jitterbug like Isaiah Thomas with the entire art inside of the arc to operate in with a defender that's always late because he's helping off some guy that's around the three-point arc. Like Al Horford has changed Isaiah Thomas's career. I, I don't know. It's just the way that I For kind sure. of watch For sure. No, no. Him, you're, you're, you're absolutely yeah. right, and I, I, that's why I, I – if I'm, I would literally give 25% of Isaiah's improvement to the fact Al Horford's on the floor, drawing away the big man. Because, I mean, look how many, I, I, if I'm correct, Isaiah Thomas is maybe one or two in the league uh, scoring off drives this year. He gets to the rim a lot and he gets into the lane a lot. And, All the time. Uh, not having, yeah, not having seven footer back there is is as much because Al Horford's on the floor helps. It definitely helps. So, it, it's it's a blessing and a curse. You're right, but there has to be a maybe there has to be a balance because I mean again you can't have Al Horford having four or five rebound no three rebounds and a loss. There has to be a, 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 a there's a middle ground and they, they Boston's really struggling to find it. Sure. And, and then the then the, the last thing that I'll, I'll say about Boston is that like, I'm not sure that Nurkic would be the guy to get uh, for Boston. Like I could see him and the Stevens just throws him into that rotation, keeps playing the Amir Johnsons, the Jarebkos, the Linux, and now the Nurkic is like. 10, 20, I mean, 15, 24 minutes a night. Uh, to me, um, if, if I'm Boston I'm all, you know, and I'm pouncing on the door of being a contender, I'd want someone more seasoned. So, you know, I'd obviously much rather prefer a guy like a Serge Ibaka or something like that. Whereas you got to like, you know, get a super young guy like Nurkic. Um, like, I don't know. Also, going to Boston, how would he, how would he you know, handle that? If he's, already, if he's complaining about Denver when Jokic is, you know, becoming a monster um, about that situation, I'm not sure if Nurkic would be the right guy um, in the situation. Uh, you know, for a seasoned team that that's really ready to make a run. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Nurkic for the simple fact that Boston's balancing old and new uh, vets and young guys, and they want to extend that window as long as possible, right? Isaiah is yeah. right the perfect age, but Al's on the wrong side of thirty. Even though he's still got probably a lot left, he doesn't predicate his game on athleticism. So I wouldn't mind a guy like Nurkic, especially. I mean, hey, if you're telling him we're going to bring you in and give you 25 minutes a night, and he knows he's going to play. That again, that's the thing in Denver, right? There's just too much. And if you bring him in right now and you can start shelving Amir Johnson, who bless him, plays so hard, is just about washed up. Hey, hey, you're gonna get you're gonna get 25 30 a night. I think he'd be, you know, he's a kind of he's that kind of coach that can get the best out of, of young players. So, I, I yeah, sure. The, the only thing with I with uh Serge Ibaka is the the money he wants to be paid this offseason. And are you gonna get him for a few month rental? I even want, I would be open to that too, but the money. Same thing with Biombo, the money. Um, I think Vucevic is on a decent contract, so you know that's that's not bad. But yeah, I think preferably we'd want a springy young, uh, you know, screen setter, roller, shot blocker. Who you know, I don't care if he's much of a shooter. We just need somebody to mix up inside. A Dwayne Dedman type would be perfect in Boston right now, and yeah. they they just got to find him. 
it's all really, really good stuff. And I, I hope, I mean, I'm not a Boston fan, far from it, <laughs> but I want to see them make a move for the deadline because I think they're, they're so close, which is scary because they have all these assets um, and they're going to only we're get not, better. I, I'm, they're not that close. I'm going to say this. They're not that close. No. Oh, yeah, I, but, you're, I, you're, I, but, you're, but you're you're too close to them. Like you're, you're so let close. Let me tell you, I, I've come. You to have the, that fandom in you. Yeah. No, no, no. I've come to that realization because this used to kind of upset me, but I've changed my point of view where it's okay to be the Memphis Grizzlies of the East, where you're just really, really good. You're just not one of those top two or three teams, and you have fatal flaws that make sure that you'll never beat those top two or three teams. Right now, Boston's problem is they have the guards are too small. Um, and and there's not they shoot a lot. They don't shoot very well, and they don't have any rebounding and shot blocking. That's it's just how it is. And they're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. They're going to push quality yeah. teams. They have a couple wins they shouldn't. And that, I realize that that's just how it is. We're not close because we don't have a LeBron James stopper, or we don't have LeBron James. We don't have a Kyrie Irving, even though Isaiah's playing. I think Isaiah's playing better than Kyrie right now. So that's, you're right. That's actually a wash. LeBron James is just the ultimate uh, code. He's a cheat code. And as, as long as Cleveland has the cheat code. And they don't wear him out like they're doing right now, which is why he wants help so bad. They're going yeah. to be in the finals. You know, they're going to be in the finals. Yeah. I get a, a lot like a lot like Memphis um, and any good team. You want to make the best team you can. And then you just kind of you just you bide your time and you hope to, some things break your way. You hope the key player gets hurt on the other team that's better than you. You hope somebody gets suspended for a game. So, yes, you just you it, luck is such a big part of it. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off and say that we're not close because you're right. They've done a great job of building a team and they're building a future. But uh, I just think Cleveland's so head and shoulders above everybody else. And then on the other side of it, you know, even if you get past Cleveland, you got to deal with Golden State or San Antonio, which go, we all know it's Golden State, I'm pretty sure. Knock on wood as long as nobody gets hurt. So um, I, I guess, yeah, it does sound pessimistic to say, no, we're not close, but I'm not being negative about it. I just, I'm being real. We are a piece or two away from actually contending. And the piece is not someone like Serge Ibaka. They do need a Jimmy Butler, but it's okay. Yeah. They're good. They're a really good team. Yeah, no, they are good. And the one thing I want to correct you on is you're not, you're not like the Memphis Grizzlies because you're not in the West, you're in the East. And when you're in the East and you're as good as the Celtics are, guess what you do, James? You can go for it. So I think that Boston tries to make a move this year and look, Here's the deal. As good as Cleveland is and as good as LeBron James is, they're one more weird, unpredictable injury away from being really, really beatable uh, really quickly. I mean, they're as thin as anybody in the NBA right now. They just better feel lucky they have LeBron James on that team uh, to to save them. But that guy's leading the league in minutes right now. So I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. I'm not panicking about the Cavs, but um, – I don't know. If I'm Boston or I'm Toronto, especially if I'm Boston, I go for it now because there's something that smells bad in Cleveland. All right. Um, I, w- I got a mystery team for everybody here, and I'm going to start with Derek. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface it with this. I-, I wanted to say Oklahoma City is my mystery team because that's fun, and like they're kind of sitting in the weeds right now with one of the top three player, top five players in the NBA. But I just don't know what fits around Russell Westbrook. So the more I thought about it, the more I just said that's not that fun. So my mystery team is the Atlanta Hawks. And I'm going to start with Derek here. Derek, do you see Atlanta? They're 29 and 21. They're fifth in the Eastern Conference. You know, they're tied with they're tied with Washington. They're two games back of Boston. Uh, or, or they're excuse me, they're tied with Toronto. They're two games back, two and a half games back of Boston. Do do it? Does Atlanta make a move 
to get better before the end, of, you know, before the trade deadline comes, or, or do they actually sell? I mean, they were asking for second round picks for Tim Hardaway three weeks ago, and the guy dropped however many points, thirty three for the game last night in Houston, um, and all of a sudden they look like a serious contender in the Eastern Conference. What did what do the Hawks do before the trade deadline? You know, that's a good question. I I don't have the, the answer for that. Obviously, it's it's uh, I, I don't know what they need. I don't know what could what could push them besides a, a big name player you know where their major holes are in their game i i honestly from what i see on them and and i thought that hardaway for second round picks was absurd like you said and then he turned around and went off he's he has potential i think i, I think he's a great player or he has the potential to be a good player um i, I think they stay set keep working the system and seeing how far they can go they're they're playing some good ball right now and they're getting some decent production um, out of all their guys, so I, I, I say stay put. I, I don't have an answer for what would ex, you know what would uh, push them to that next level. All right, um, well, I want to throw to to Daniel, Daniel Hawks, Eastern Conference. Tim Hardaway asking second round picks. They obviously have pieces they could move. I think they could even move Howard really if they wanted to pretty easily right now. And, and they were obviously the team that was going to send somebody out before the trade deadline. And now all of a sudden, again, they're contenders. What do they do? Yeah, I mean, the, the Hawks, to me, are a team. I, mean, I, I know we're just talking about James mentioning how he doesn't think Boston is a, is a contender. Like, I, I just can't envision any way the Hawks being a legitimate contender. Um, so, like, yeah. yes, they're, like, they've had some swings this year. They've had times when they look good, times when they look atrocious. Because I've watched them be blown out by teams. And you're like, what? It's, they, look like, they look like a D-League squad some nights. Dennis Schroeder can't play any defense. One of the worst defensive point guards I've seen. Um, some nights it's just appalling what he does on the defensive end. Um, so, like, I don't think of them as a contender. So, like, I understood when I heard that they were trying to sell off pieces. Plus, I don't think Millsap and Howard mesh together well at all. Um, just they just don't work together. Um, it's very very rare would you see both of them having good games. Um, like Howard had a good game against Houston. Millsap was was on the bench for a lot of that a lot of that that game. Um, I, I do think they have good pieces. With that said, but like. I, it's, but it, to me, it doesn't make sense. I think they know, the management knows that they're not a true contender. Um, so I don't think they're going to do something crazy to you know to try to um, like sell off some of their their assets. Like, like like you mentioned, Hardaway Jr. for a second round pick that makes zero sense to me. I I hope they do not do that because I do think Hardaway Jr. has serious upside and he does have talent and he's still young. So I, I mean, I'm not really sure what I would do with them uh, if I was them, except acknowledge the fact that they're not really a contender. Um, and, and with that as your starting point, go from there. Uh, but and I also do not think the Millsap Howard works. So whatever you want, if you, I mean, if you can get something for one of those pieces, quite honestly, I'd probably do it. And, and I know mm. a guy like Millsap, a lot of teams would probably want Millsap. So as much as he's a good player, I think he I, he could be the missing piece to a lot of other teams. I mean, he could be a guy that could bring you back a nice haul. And Atlanta, quite honestly, like I said, I think they're going nowhere. Hmm. James, uh, um, give us some thoughts here. Yeah, so I got I, I agree with the the premise of what everybody's saying because even though they've been on a tear lately, their net rating, I think, if you look at their net rating, it'll put them as the you know they have the ninth best, or if you want to say worst net rating in the in the East. You know, they have the net rating of the ninth best team in the East as, as like a negative point one, which is is not great. Even though since January first, their net rating is sixth in the East, but that's still not not great. Um, I, I'm I'm going to defer from you guys. My, my the thing I see is I think that the the Millsap Howard, even though the, it feels like they don't like each other for some reason, and that's just purely speculation as far as chemistry wise. Watch play. 
I actually think it works. I think it's okay. Uh, because you got a great all-around player in Paul Millsap, severely underrated. And then you got a guy like Dwight Howard, who is you know, def- defense and rebounding and blocking shots. He still is is in the upper echelon at doing those things, uh, even though they got to stop giving the ball in the post. That destroys them. That that He's he's so bad in the post. But uh, one thing they are missing, I think I just looked, and their, uh, their offensive rating for the season is like 18th even though their defense is like fifth. So they got to get more consistent shooting and, and scoring. Uh, we know that Bazemore has been a bust so far, even though he's starting to show signs of coming around. Um, it, they're just very, very inconsistent as far as scoring. They have nights, there are nights when they look like they've never seen each other as a team before. Uh, we, C- Coach Bud runs a, uh, runs a, a rhythm-based offense, and, and I think it's – we still probably having trouble fitting Dwight Howard into it because Dwight never really played in an offense like that, and you know getting new guys acclimated. Uh, I think the best is yet to come for them, but I think the same problem in the East is they don't they don't have anyone who can stop LeBron James. Now, someone actually made the point that the last player to beat uh, LeBron James before a Finals, I think, or you know one of the last people left who beat LeBron James before the before a Finals it was Dwight Howard when he was in Orlando. But I don't think those kind of those those kind of those kind of omens don't really mean anything in the NBA, right? So it's it's interesting. I don't think they – yeah, they don't have the pieces to beat a Cleveland. Uh, I think Boston still is, you know, the superior team. But having a guy like Dwight Howard in the middle would would make things really interesting with Boston because he would just feast on the boards and, and make it life miserable for, for Isaiah Thomas driving to the lane. So they're not contenders, not true contenders, but it's, it's interesting to see – the thing with Paul Millsap as far as being a player in the trade market is that he's a free agent and any team that's trading for him has no guarantee he stays, right? So I don't think any team's going to give up real value for him. If they're, they're, they know they're going to make a playoff, they're one of those, those teams that likes to make the playoffs and likes to be competitive. They're not going to trade Dwight because Dwight's a big part of what they're doing right now. Like uh, When they came back against the Rockets the other night, he was huge. He was a monster that game. So you can say what you want about him. I think you're stuck with Dwight until they decide to really blow it up, which they won't, I don't think, this year. They're too good this year to do it. Ownership wants to take advantage of the playoff money. Maybe this summer they make some moves. Richie? I think everyone's covered it all here. Yeah, I mean, their their offense is kind of their issue. Like James said, it, it's they don't score a lot of points. Uh, they're 25th in the NBA uh, in three-point shooting, but they're like middle of the pack in attempts. So if they're going to improve some aspect of their game, it's definitely going to have to be that outside shooting. And it was interesting to see when they were, when they were having those trade rumors with, with Millsap and they traded away, uh, they got Dunleavy for Corver. I think they they had a win streak there after that after that trade. I think they're just going to hold, kind of like Derek was saying. Um, and I do like Millsap a lot. I think Atlanta does play well when he plays at the five. So they're not a contender, and I don't think they're going to make a move. I think they'll hold Pat and, and kind of see where they go from there. Hey, real quick, I got to say, I, yeah. real quick, I got to say, I love Dennis Schroeder. He's one of my irrational love players. Sure, he doesn't defend worth a damn, but um, – I, I love his quirky game. I love the fact he's like Rondo 2.0, except, you know, Rondo 3.0, I guess. And he's kind of making it work. I think he's going to be he's going to be a good player. I think I like him. Interesting. Uh, interesting thoughts about Atlanta. I, I just I don't know. I just think they're a really interesting team as we approach the trade deadline. And, and I think what really made me pick them as a mystery team was them, you know, with that report. OK, yeah, Millsaps on the block. Uh, call us about him. We'll see. What, you know, we'll see if we can work out. And all of a sudden they start playing well. Okay, he's off. We're not. We're not going to trade him, and and they've continued that that pretty hot play. So, and look, Atlanta's used to success. So I, I think teams like that, as a front office, as an ownership, it's probably easy to 
you know, when you've experienced success, that 60 win season wasn't, wasn't that long ago. I think it's easy to kind of trick yourself into believing that you're a contender. Um, and so I don't know. I think the Hawks are trying to answer that question right now. So they're very intriguing to me. Um, I think that they, they, I think of anything, they stand pat, but I think that they might try to make a move to get better. Um, and that might actually, you know, include them sending out a piece on their roster right now, like a Tim Hardaway, um, to, to get better. But I have a feeling that the Hawks are, are, are going to kind of go for it, uh, kind of that, that fake go for it move here. So should be interesting to watch. Well, guys, I, I just want to say that it was really fun doing this tonight. I had a really good time. I think we had some really good conversation, um, some super, super good insight. And you can find more good insight um, from all the Almighty Ballin podcast network podcast uh, you know amongst this network and, and buzzbeat and richie and i are obviously really excited to be a part of it uh and i know i speak for these guys too when i say that we're all uh, building something great over here at abpn um so make sure that you check all of our stuff out um so i'm going to toss it to each one of you guys daniel i'll toss it to you first again where can we find you on twitter what pod do you rep so you can find me on twitter at daniel a green one and that's green like the color and then uh, the podcast I rep right, is uh, DG Courtroom, and it's a it's a DFS podcast, but it also it also kind of a more general podcast as well for, for general NBA podcast as well. So if you if you just like general NBA, you don't play DFS, you can still give it a listen. Awesome, awesome. And now uh, Derek, my favorite team in the NBA. You know, wish I lived out west so I could be a true Nuggets fan. Tell us where you can uh, where we can find you out there on the interwebs. You get brownie points all over the place tonight. You can find us over at uh, digindenver.com or on Twitter at digindenver. We're part of the Real Ball Insiders Network, so make sure to go check us out. Like you said, man, it's a it's a fun game right now. Just just as a heads up for everybody, Jokic's one assist away from having a triple-double, and he just got back tonight. So kids playing awesome. Come watch us. Uh, come check us out for sure. Awesome. Awesome, man. James? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at jholas. That's H O L A S at jholas hoops. Um, you can find me and make sure you look look me up on the on the podcast network, the Truth Podcast. Very Celtic centric. The highlight of my summer is when I thought we might possibly get Russell Westbrook in Boston. Who and Russell Westbrook just slammed the door on the Memphis Grizzlies and went nuts in the fourth quarter and had like the last thirteen points and was draining threes in Mike Conley's face. But yeah, uh, check me out on B-Ball Breakdown also where I, I kind of write sometimes and it kind of makes sense. <laughs> all right, awesome. Well, guys, again, thank you very much. Uh, I speak for Richie right now, all the BuzzBeat listeners. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we will be back uh, probably not again this week. Richie, I think this probably covered us for this week. I think this was a really good show. Um, so we'll be back next week. Uh, but again, thanks to all our listeners. Uh, trade deadline coming. Make sure you tune in. Make sure you're going to ABPN for all of your podcast needs. Okay, so thanks again, guys, and uh, and we'll talk soon. We got to do this again. Thanks. Napa know how. A Napa guy knows more isn't always better, unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, waterbed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. 
Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. 